Amen. You know, I want to bring God's word this morning. And um, I felt God place this on my heart through the week. Um, and this, you know, we're in the team um, the last season about Jesus and what Jesus has done, the miracles that Jesus did, the words that Jesus spoke, the wonders of Jesus. And we were given, you know, this kind of remit, if you like, and we were told, go and search the scriptures and what God speaks to you, bring, um, bring God's word. So I felt that God spoke to me this week, and it's about a woman in the Bible. And um, this woman, she doesn't have a name. You know, there's no mention of her name in this story. But I believe in some way we can all relate to this woman. And hear me when I say this, relate to this woman. Um, and we can relate to the many characters in this story. And this woman is brought before Jesus. And when she's brought before Jesus, this woman is trembling. This woman is fearful. And in her heart, this woman knows that she's going to die. She knows that she's going to be executed. So come with me. We're going to look at John 8, 3 to 11. And I think the guys have it up there on the screen. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you. Amen. We good? Yeah. Okay. All right. So the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? And they were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and he started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and he said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away. Am I right yet? One at a time. Yeah, okay. One at a time, bear me. The older one first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. And Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. And these are the words that Jesus declared over that day. He said, then neither do I. He said, neither do I condemn you. He said, now go and leave your life of sin. He said, go and leave your life of sin. And you know, when I was doing this sermon, I, you know, we, like sometimes it's very hard to come up with a title and all of that. And, you know, and sometimes you get the title when you're doing it. And sometimes you might get it when you land here on a Sunday morning. And I believe what God is saying this morning, it's time to put the rocks down. It's time to put the rocks down. And whatever your rocks are, whatever your sin is here this morning, it's between you and God. It's not between, 
you know, you and me. It's between you and God. I'm only the messenger bringing the word this morning. But I sense that the Holy Spirit wants to move here this morning. And I sense that the Holy Spirit is saying, it's time to put the rocks down. It's time. It's time to put the rocks down. It's time to get real with God. It's time to leave your life of sin. It's time to get out of your head. To stop listening to the voices. It's time to put the rocks down this morning. Are you hearing me, church? You know, when this woman um, had the encounter with Jesus, her life was changed forever. This woman was not the same after she met him. Her sin was forgiven. Her guilt was removed. Her shame was no more. No more her shame. Her fear was turned to peace. You see, what looked like a hopeless situation that day. Forgiveness, joy, acceptance, salvation suddenly took place that day for that lady. Imagine that. That all happened within an instant. And if, if you can just picture the scene that day. Jesus is in the temple court. And the place is packed. And he's bringing God's word. And he's preaching God's word. And he's teaching God's word. And... And the people there, they're hanging on to every word that he's speaking. He's telling the people about the kingdom of God, the glory of God, the things that are going to come, and the things that are going to come in the future. Can you imagine being in that crowd that day? And then all of a sudden, in the peaceness, in the quietness, in the tranquility of listening to Jesus, there's a rumble coming through the courtyard. And in the rumble, it's this mob that's coming forward to Jesus. And they're dragging this woman. They're dragging her in. Probably dragging her in on the ground. Probably with whatever little clothes that she had on her. They dragged her in before, before the temple uh, people. And it's a scene where these men are shouting and they're screaming. And they're saying, this woman has committed adultery. Stoner. Stoner. That's right. They wanted to stone her. They wanted to execute her. They wanted to kill her. <clears throat> and they're shouting at her. They're screaming. Harlot woman. Harlot woman. Name calling. Putting names and labels on this woman. And these men, they're ready to launch. They have the rocks in their hands. They have the rocks. They're ready to execute. They're ready to launch them rocks at her. They're ready to take her out. And if you picture the scene, the woman, imagine, imagine the woman. Oh my God, imagine the woman. She's weeping, weeping, crying. We don't know whether she has a husband, we don't know. Whether she has kids, we don't know. Because it doesn't give us those details. But this woman is weeping, fearful, trembling. You know, her accusers probably didn't give her enough time to get dressed properly that day. Because she was dragged out. She was caught in the act and she was dragged out. And she's put on public display humiliated it's a public accusation that they're thrown at her that day her sin is disclosed you see these people that did that that mob they didn't care about her 
They couldn't have cared less about this woman that day. They didn't care. They didn't even care about the sin. They didn't care about her heart. You see, all they cared about was their agenda. They had an agenda, the mob. They had an agenda, and the agenda was to set Jesus up. The agenda was to take him out, and they were going to use this woman to take him out. And these, this mob, they're full of self-righteousness. They're full of self-importance. And, and, and yeah, they felt that they had the right to do that that day. But you know something? I love this part of the story. Little did they know. Little did they know when they threw that woman at the feet of Jesus. At the feet of Jesus. It was the best place possible. Hallelujah. It was the best place possible. You see, they brought her to a man that could deal with her past, that could deal with her problems. You see, only Jesus can make things right in our lives here today. You know, for those that don't know Jesus this morning, can I tell you, he's a friend to sinners. He's a friend to sinners. Can I tell you, he cares about you here this morning. And don't ever think that he doesn't care about you. You see, Jesus, throughout the Bible, he's known to hang out with notorious gangsters. Because there was notorious gangsters back then. And he was known to hang out with them. He's not concerned about his reputation. He's not. But what he was concerned about was winning this woman's heart. He was, he was concerned about this woman spending eternity with him. And the scene that day, this angry mob shouting, screaming, hurling abuse. It's not a nice picture. It's not a nice picture. Just imagine someone being dragged in here today. Just imagine it. It's not a nice picture of grace. But you know something, this crowd, they actually took delight in this woman's sin. They gloated over what she actually did. And then it tells us that when they brought her to Jesus, they demanded that he answer a question. We've caught this woman in the act of committing adultery. The law of God says this woman should be stoned to death. What do you say about this woman and her sin? So they were challenging Jesus. They wanted an answer off him. They wanted to know what he was actually going to do. And you know, the Bible does tell us, and the truth be known, that this mob was right. You see, according to the law of Moses, she deserved to die. You see, this particular woman was caught in the very act of adultery. And we would call it today, you know, in our, in our modern world, having an affair. And that comes with all its troubles and breakups and family breakups and kids messed up and all of that. But this woman did commit an act that day. She was caught with another man. She wasn't engaged to him. And back then, it did carry a heavy weight. 
It carried a heavy weight, that, that sin. She was guilty of a terrible sin. And the word of God tells us in Deuteronomy, if a man be found lying with a woman, married to a husband, then they shall, then both of them shall die. The man that lay with the woman. So it wasn't just the woman. So where was the man? Where was he that day? Come on. Where was he? Running in the crowd. Yeah. So they dragged her in. She's put on public display. She's, you know, paraded in front of the crowd. And the man wasn't there. Did he slip away? We don't know. Because the truth be known, if he had been there, the two of them would have died. But he wasn't there. We don't know whether he was there. Was he in the crowd? Was he in the crowd? Was he part of this agenda to set Jesus up, to entrap Jesus? So he used this woman. We don't know. And you know, her execution to us right now probably sounds quite harsh. But the people back then, you see, they were so instituted with the Torah. They knew the Torah. They knew the five books of the law. They knew, they knew the Bible. They knew the, those five books inside out. And in some strange way, to be fair to them, they were trying to protect the holiness of marriage. They were trying to protect it. They were trying to protect the purity of the nation of Israel. Because you see, they came up with the, with, with the five books, the Torah. But it got me thinking, you know, if you're married here today, hands up if you're married. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But if you're married here today, You know, marriage is not seen as sacred out in the world. It's not. There's no value put on it anymore. And I'm just being honest. So if you're married here today, if you're married 40 years, bless you. Bless you. Bless you for that. If you're married 30 years, if you're married 5 years, I want to bless you. I I believe God wants to bless you for honouring your marriage for honouring your spouse, for honouring the covenant that you took with God. Because it's not a contract. It's not. It's not a piece of paper. When you stood and you took those vows before the Almighty God, you made a covenant with God. And I commend you here this morning for that. I commend you for fighting for one another in your marriage. I commend you for carrying one another in your marriage. You know, last year I got to marry a couple. I officiate weddings and, and um, I was asked to uh, marry this couple up in Tullaferris. It's a beautiful place. And it was the last kind of minute thing. I, I kind of knew a month before I was asked to step in. And, and the couple that I got to marry, they, they were a lovely young couple. And I was after coming back off holidays and I met them that evening. I met them up in Liffey Valley and, and she was real sweet and she was lovely and, and all of that. And, and he was a bit of a hardy, <laughs> if I'm being honest. He was a bit of a hardy. And um, 
So I'm starting to talk to them and I'm starting to ask them, what way would you like the ceremony, blah, blah, blah. You know, and he's saying to me, you know, make it quick, make it snappy. You know, the United matches on that day. I want to get to the bar. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, okay. So, so I said, Lord, help me to bring you in. Because not everybody wants their marriage blessed. Not everybody does. And when I officiate weddings, I like to bless marriages. Because I believe, I just believe they're, they're so sacred to God. So I began to say to him, his name was Wayne. And I began to say to him, you know, Wayne, I said, uh, I said, would you like your, your marriage blessed? And he says to me, yeah, I suppose I would. As casual as you like. So I said, okay. I said, we can work with that. So he says to me then, he says, uh, now I won't be wearing a ring. I said, right, okay. So I said, what will you be wearing? <laughs> so he said, well, I won't be wearing a ring. So he said, I'll leave that one with you, he said. He said, now you figure that one out. Well, I have to tell you, he floored me. I was floored. as I've never officiated a wedding where there's never been wedding rings involved. So I came away and I think I was in Clondalk and that night and I think I had said it to Sharon, what am I going to do? This dude won't wear a wedding ring. You know, when they're exchanging the vows, you know, what do you give Wayne to be your lawfully wedded husband? I give him a ring. And I'm like, what's she going to give him? What is she actually going to give him? So I was, my head was wrecked. My head, I have to tell you, my head was wrecked for the week. And uh, so anyway, so, so I text them. And I said, okay, guys, I've come up with kind of an idea. And uh, so I said, so one of the ideas was, what about if you borrowed a ring, you know, and just wear the ring for a couple of hours, just while we officiate the legal part, da 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 all of that. Well, I tell you, he left me hanging. He left me hanging for about a day. I said, oh, good night. I said, I'm not to offend them, whatever. So anyway, so the text came in the next day. And he said, Louise, it's Wayne. <laughs> and he says, uh, I've come up with a solution, he said. And I said, okay, what's the solution? I'm like, what am I going to be reading? So he said, uh, he said I'm going to get a packet of Haribo jellies. He says, and I'm going to take a ring out of that, he said. He said, and I'm going to use the Haribo jelly. So I'm reading this and I'm like, you know what? That's good enough for me. That's good enough for me. I said, once we have something to officiate this wedding. So anyway, the wedding day comes. I'd been praying up about this wedding. I have to tell you, it was one of the best weddings I've ever officiated. It was one of the best. And that morning, I met Wayne, really nervous, but he's a tough guy uh, from Ballyferma. He's a bit of a toughie, but, uh, but I could just see him kind of wilting a little bit. So I said to me, all set, Wayne. <coughs> He said, yeah. He said, he said, I'm all set. He said, so I said, have we got the Haribo jelly ring? And he said, I have even one better. He said, I said, oh, really? He said, yeah. He said, he said, he said, I haven't told her yet. He said, he said, but he said, I have her initial tattooed on my wedding finger. And I said, wow. 
So she didn't know, Stephanie didn't know, that he had got her initial tattooed on his wedding finger. He said, this is my way, he said, of declaring. He said, my marriage before God, he said, before everybody, he said, he said by tattooing her name on my finger, her initial on my finger. I said, that's great. So we do the wedding, and we do the, we do the wedding vows. So I said to Stephanie, what do you give Wayne as a token of your love, as a token of this marriage, blah, 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 all of this. And she says, I give him a Harry bow ring. And she says it with gusto. And, uh, and he says to her, well, I give you one better. He said, I have your initial, he said, on my finger. So the moral of the story is marriage is sacred. Marriage is a covenant before God. You know what? I could have complicated it that day. I could have complicated it. But you know what? God stepped in. And God met this couple where they were at. I was just a vessel. I was just a vessel that day. So if you're planning on getting married, Noel and Mary is, because I'm not doing any more Harry Bow rings. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> but just coming back to the story, you know, if you are found to be guilty of adultery, you know, both parties were to die. Both parties were to die. It says in the Bible that for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus our Lord. The lesson for us today, nobody gets away with sin. You know what, even though this lady and this man, they committed adultery, there's no ranking on sin here this morning. There's no ranking. Sin is sin. If you gossip, it's sin. If you hold unforgiveness, bitterness in your heart, it's sin. If you commit adultery, if you have an affair, it's sin. The only hope for any sinner is to come to Jesus. He's our only hope. He's the only way. He is the truth and the life. He says, I am the truth and the life. But here we have this screaming mob. We have them scheming. They were setting out to set Jesus up that day. They had it all planned out. You see, they wanted to take him down. But they didn't know who they were dealing with that day. And in their heads and in their hearts, they said to themselves, if Jesus lets this woman go, he's going to be seen to be easy on sin. He's also going to be arrested because he's actually breaking the law. And the other thing that they had on him was if he gave them, the mob, permission to stone the lady, he was going to start an uprising and he was going to be held before Rome. So this mob had him on two things. They were waiting on him to break those two things. But Jesus refuses to play by the rules. He refused to play by their rules that day. And Jesus responds to their question. And when he responded to their question, he stooped down. He stooped down. 
And when you look at that in the Bible and when you, when you, when you study it, what it means is that Jesus actually, he got down on the ground. He began to come down. He began to descend. He descended lower than the Pharisees. He descended lower than the crowd. He descended lower than his disciples. He came right down. Not even where I am. He actually came right down. He became lower, lower than the woman. That when the mob had to look at the woman, Jesus was lower than the woman. He stooped down. And this is what our God does. He stoops down. He descended so low. Whether we like to believe it or not, we've all been where this woman has been in some way. And the Bible tells us sin is not treated lightly. God calls us to turn away from sin. We've all fallen short. Romans tells us that. All of us have. We've all been like sheep. We've gone astray. We've turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the inequity of us all. So when Jesus descended, when he stooped down, when he stooped down, he took all of our sin. He took that woman's sin. He took that man that she committed adultery with. He took his sin. He took the sin of the crowd. He took the sin of the Pharisees and the scribes. So we're all in this. We're all in this. And this morning, my question to you is, are you glad? Aren't you glad? Not are you. Aren't you glad that Jesus stooped down? Aren't you? I know I am. You see, the word of God still speaks today. It teaches us that no sinner is too far gone. No sinner. Whatever your sin is here this morning, it's not too late. It teaches us that no one is guilty. It teaches us that no one is beyond the reach of God. When we come and confess and repent before God and allow God to transform us, we turn away from that life of sin. We turn. Aren't you glad this morning that Jesus stooped down? You know, he stooped down to wash the feet of his disciples. He stooped down to embrace little children. He stooped down to eat with sinners. He touched lepers. He stooped down um, to be beaten. He stooped down to be spat upon. He stooped down to carry the cross. He stooped down to be crucified. He stooped down to bear our sins in his own body. We serve a God that is merciful. A God who stoops down. Grace. Grace came. We sang about it this morning. Grace is a God who stoops down. And I believe this is for many here this morning. And you need to hear this word. Aren't you glad he is still stooping down today? Aren't you? Because you know, I believe when Jesus stooped down for that woman. I believe, and it doesn't tell us in the Bible, but this is what I believe. I believe that he was writing great things about this woman. 
I believe he was right and that he loved her. I believe that he was right and that he forgives her. I believe that he was right and I have a plan and I have a future. I watch and see what I'm going to do with this woman. That's what I believe. But you know, this mob that was still standing there, they were becoming agitated. They were becoming angry. They were becoming resentful towards him. And then there's a shocking setback. They kept demanding an answer off and they wanted an answer. And while Jesus was down, he begins to stand up. And he stood up and he stood tall. And he didn't stand up to preach his word. He didn't stand up to give instructions to his followers. He stood up. And when he stood up, he stood up on behalf of the woman. He stood up on behalf of the woman. He placed himself between the woman and the, and the mob. And that's what God does for us. That's what our God does for us. He places himself. He places himself before the Father for us here today. And Jesus says back to them, and I'm paraphrasing, he says back to them, he says, all right, he said, go ahead, he said, stoner. But let those who have never sinned throw the first stone. And I think Jesus was saying to these hypocrites, I think, I really believe what he was saying is, he that is free from this particular sin, let him first cast a stone at her. You see, although this story is about adultery, you see, adultery can be committed in the head, it can be committed in the heart, it can also be com- committed, as we know, in, with the body. But Jesus stooped down, and when he stooped down, he began to write on the ground again. So he, he's on the ground a second time, and when he's on the ground the second time, what did he write? <laughs> what did he write? <laughs> You see, the Bible doesn't tell us, but we can speculate what he wrote. And he probably looked at the mob, and he probably began to write their names in the sand, and he probably began to write beside their name the sins that they had committed. He probably began to write the mistresses that the Pharisees and the scribes had. He probably began to write about the debt that they had claimed, the taxes that they had claimed off off people, off innocent people. He probably began to write a list of stuff. And I'm only speculating. And we'll only know the answer to that when we get to heaven. Because that's one of the questions I'm going to ask. What did you write in the dust? What did you write in the sand? But at this point, as he's writing in the dust and he's writing in the sand, all of a sudden there's a calmness. All of a sudden there's quiet. All of a sudden the name calling stops. All of a sudden the shouting, the screaming stops. The critics were silent. And all that could be heard was the dropping of rocks. The, ro- the rocks began, began to drop one by one. Imagine them dropping to the ground. Imagine the noise of them dropping to the ground. 
and they fell to the ground, the rocks. And then, all of a sudden, there's a little shuffle of sandals in the sand. <laughs> and this little shuffle is these, this mob, this crowd, they begin to exit one by one. And you can hear the shuffle in the sand. The dust is coming up. And they begin to slip out one by one quietly. And I believe what happened that day. These men, their own sin was exposed. But I also believe that the power of the Holy Spirit came upon them. And they were convicted of their own sin. And when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it weighs heavy. I've been there. It weighs heavy. You've grieved God. That's what you feel. It's a sense of you've grieved God. You've let God down. And the only way, the only way to come back from that is to repent and to confess. It's one of the hardest things you have to do as a person, as a believer. One of the, one of the hardest things to do is, is, is to face you in life. It's to face you in life. Because when you look at you, you're really looking at the real you. <laughs> when you see yourself being sinful, and when you see yourself being sinful, let me tell you this morning, I've been there. And there's days I slip. But I can come back to God. I can come back. Because God has made a way. So in this story, Jesus was still stooped down. He's still continuing to write. And when that last rock hit the ground, he stood up. And when he stood up, he faced the woman. And he's face to face with the woman. And this woman at this point is having her own encounter with Jesus. And he asks her, woman, where are your accusers? Where are they all gone? You see, when you look at this story, he's the only one that was actually qualified to throw a stone. Jesus was the only one. He had the right to judge her. He was the only one. But he refused to. Because when we come to God, he doesn't judge us. So what a question, not just for her, for us here this morning. Woman, where are your accusers? Church, where are your accusers? And you know, I know we all get them voices in our head. We get them voices of condemnation that, that can awaken us. You know, things that you're not good enough, you've, you've failed again, you'll never improve. And you know, sometimes it can be the voice of the accuser, the voice of the enemy. And you know what, let me tell you, it was brought out this morning, he comes to steal, kill and destroy, John 10.10. 10. That's his career. He'll make accusations, he'll throw rocks at you. He'll get you to believe the lies. He wants to come to steal your peace. He wants to, he wants to kill your dreams. He wants to destroy your future. But he will not have the last word. You see, Jesus has acted on your behalf. Jesus has stood up for each of us here this morning. He stood up for the woman and he silenced her accusers and he does the same for you here this morning. He stands up. You see, God right now, he's standing up in the presence of God at this very moment. He's sticking up for us here this morning. 
And when he does that, we begin to have a clear conscience, a clean conscience, a clean record, a clean heart. We're free from accusation. We're free from condemnation. Hallelujah. Are we hearing this this morning? We can come into the presence of God and we can drop the rocks. We don't have to keep carrying the rocks around. And I'm going to ask the team to come back. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. With every head bowed here this morning. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You know, we've sang about God's mercy, his goodness, his grace, his forgiveness here this morning. We've sang about his healing. We've heard the testimony of of Abraham's uncle and we've heard how Adele got the clue. We've heard Jay this morning, you know, about people with back pain and words of knowledge. God is moving here this morning. God is moving. And between you and God right now, is God pressing something on your heart that you need to drop the rocks? What is God pressing on your heart right now that you need to put down the rocks? You need to drop the rocks. Because we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But thank God for Jesus, he came and he stooped down. He descended below the woman that committed adultery. He descended below for me here this morning and for each one of us that are sitting here this morning. He descended below so that we would know restoration. We would know healing. We would know forgiveness. That we don't have to carry around sin that's been crippling us. You see, Jesus stooped down. He took it. He took it on the cross. So if God is pressing on your heart this morning, if the Holy Spirit is moving, I want to invite you to come to the front as we play this song. I want to invite you to come, and between you and God, that you come and you drop the rocks. You drop them. You see, God loves you here this morning, even if you don't love yourself. God loves you unconditionally here this morning. He wants to deliver you. He wants to set you free. So whatever the issue is in your life, I want to invite you to come. I want you to settle this with God at the altar. Not with me, but with God, the almighty God, the living God, the merciful God, the God that forgives 50 times, 100 times, 1,000 times. God forgives you here this morning. Let there be no condemnation. Let you not leave this place today carrying that sin. Come and meet Jesus face to face. Come and have an encounter with him here this morning. Come. He's calling you to come. God stooped down for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
And he's still stooping down. And he'll continue to keep stooping down for you. Sin is sin. There's no ranking in sin. There is consequences. There is consequences. But there's no ranking. But God loves you here this morning. And I believe he wants to blow his Holy Spirit upon you. So as we enter into this, this song, I believe there's many more to come. You see, the Pharisees and the scribes, they sat in judgment of this woman. And whether we like to believe it or not, sometimes we can do that. I'm guilty. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me for a father, for judging your people. Have mercy on me, Lord God. So it's time to drop the rocks, church. It's time to put the rocks down. It's time. God wants to set people free here today. Hallelujah.